0: Hello and welcome to the third episode of the podcast series From Atmosphere to Experience, a contemporary evolution of interior design. My name is Annie Markitanis and I am the director of the Milano Design Film Festival Greece. This podcast series is a sequel to the anonymous article written for the festival's catalogue by Brand Strategy Advisor to the Architecture Design Industry, Daniel Gaba. The podcast series is guests from the cultural design and architecture sectors who examine the different facets of design and the changes signaling it through time via topics pertinent to their work and experience. In the third episode co-hosted with Daniel Gaba, we are joined by Richard Benson, the Creative Managing Director at Fjord, part of the Accenture Interactive, to discuss the different dimensions and expressions of experiential design. With over 28 years experience in the creative industry, Richard has spent the past 22 years specializing in creative solutions and design for financial services, retail, and telcos clients at Allen International. With a background in graphics, retail interiors, and brand design, Richard has worked on establishing innovative retail propositions, brand identities, and commercial design solutions for a wide range of international brands. Since joining the leadership team of Accenture Interactive and becoming the lead of the Fjord Studio in London, Richard has founded new capabilities and offerings including workplace experience, blending a deep knowledge of agile design principles and technology, space and brand cultures to create rewarding, productive innovation experiences for organizations and their colleagues. Richard has most recently been developing with the team new experiences for the metaverse that harness the power of extended reality make rapid prototyping in virtual platforms, as well as creating global team collaborative experiences in virtual reality worlds unique to the brands Fiord and Accenture partner with. Happy listening. Hello, Richard. Uh, thank you for joining me and Daniel today. It's so good to to have you with us.
1: I love it to meet you, Annie. My pleasure. Hi, Richard. Hi, Danny. How are you doing? good good
0: so uh we're gonna go directly to the to the questions because we actually we can't wait to experience this i'm gonna start with the question of how would you explain this notion of experiential design to a 10 year old or an eight year old (laughs)
1: that's a great question and one that i've actually had to practice quite a few times with my children (sighs) as i try to make my job sound exciting or dad's job exciting to his kids um I think really the way I define it to them is, look, you when you go through life, you experience lots of things, right? And those things can make you happy, they can make you sad, but they make you feel emotions. Um, and that's how I describe very much what I do in an experience design and what we all do in this experience design is that we consider the user, the person, in this case, my uh, my 13-year-old son, and the journeys that they're going through every day with the products and the brands, the things that they buy the spaces that they go to, and how it makes them feel. And what I say behind all that is experience design. It doesn't happen by accident. It happens by lots of people trying to consider what's right to make that experience memorable. And that generally kind of gets them interested anyway.
0: It's it's interesting because in order to, w- w- the definition that you just gave, it, it uh, denotes that the user needs to be to have a certain level of awareness and need to be it needs to be able to relate or uh, exp- you know relate to his, his or her feelings no being able to feel or understand what what I, what I feel you know acknowledge what I feel in order to be able to then experience it correct uh,
1: absolutely yeah but i think quite often we go through life not realizing that these things and i don't use the word manipulated but they've been considered um, we just consider our needs and, and what we need from that interaction, what we're doing that day. But yes, it does. And and I, and I think emotion is a really key word to it because things should move you <laughs> in the world. We shouldn't go through life not feeling things uh, and and really considering that they're human experiences that, that we're creating.
0: Um, what are the current requirements or trends when it comes to designing an experiential environment, uh, regardless of company size and industry?
1: No, thank you, very Emma Trastinam. It's a really good question because I think it needs to be independent. It doesn't matter whether you're a large company, a small company, or what industry you're in. I use the word a lot, as I said, about, about being obsessed, obsessed about the customer and really understanding the customer and the journeys which they're going to go through with the product or space that they're interacting with. Um, and I think it, it's really important to, to consider um, the value that that experience provides to customers Um, and in that I mean in terms of the customers you know the the experience they're going to deliver defining what that means to them and how you can measure that success is also very important I think when shaping this and more and more now I think what we're seeing more and more is obviously sustainability is incredibly important Um, and when we say sustainable we're not just talking about um, the space in which creates materials we do their, their impact to the production and running of these experiences, but also how ethical experiences are, um, are very, very important to consumers all over the world. Um, and also considering how inclusive and diverse they are in terms of the people and, and their needs uh, and their abilities when, when creating them. Uh, we also see a lot more around about you know the trends that are coming around about being more community focused, less globally consistent in many ways, but more variety in terms of the communities and the, the personalization of the design, the experience. Um, and obviously, very importantly, how interactive, you know, how technology has completely transformed our expectation of information the speed in which brands deliver that, the services. So how interactive that experience is and again, regardless of the size of the organization they interact or, and the industry they're in is incredibly important. But I think the, the most important thing is the authenticity. Um, we must forget, we must never forget that experiences should be fun. It should be fun to repeat interaction with them. So I think the authenticity of that experience, how unique it is and how memorable it is, um, as I said before, as I define this for, for somebody else thinking about what experience design is, I think are incredibly important now to people when creating uh, experiences absolutely and and richard which
2: sector do you think uh, is the most prevalent and the most challenging at the same time when it comes to experience design
1: so it's a really it's a really I was thinking a lot about this before actually and we were talking about various areas in which we work and we work across many sectors uh, and industries and i think all of them have their challenges i always feel that relaying a product or a brand or a service that's intangible is very difficult. So actually, you know, if you're buying something, you get that product. It's very easy to feel it, to, to stock it, to display it, to make the brand come to life in it. When you think about um industries like financial services, which we do a lot of work, it's actually really difficult because you're selling an intangible product. <laughs> you know, effectively you're right. selling, you know, you're selling um a promise, trust uh, and so how do you pur- purvey that in an experience that you're, you're, you're transferring knowledge? And I, and I think that is actually quite difficult for a lot of brands um, when you're not selling a product or a very tangible service um, to define that experience uh, end-to-end for the consumer. Absolutely. And
2: uh, what about the correlation between the digital world, this intangible world, and the real world? Uh, do you think that after the pandemic, this has evolved somehow in, in new uh,
1: directions? Or Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think the pandemic has changed everything, right? We're all trying to find the new normal, but we've all experienced something around the world at the same time. And it's it's made us change the way we interact with our brands, uh, the way we work, the way we socialize. Um, and I think it's brought together this physical and digital even more. There's a a term that gets used a lot, this idea of figital. um It's almost like we've become yeah. ambidextrous now. Yeah. We're, we're experiencing things in real life, but we're also spending an awful lot more digitally, um, you know, through the isolation, through the various lockdowns we've had, but also then coming back together. And it's very, it's very amazing how quickly we learn new tricks, we need new abilities to become ambidextrous, if you like, between how we interact in, in, in a physical way and how we interact through digital. Um, you know, just the way we communicate now, right? I mean, it's really sped up that whole use of technology in the way we interact every day. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Uh, just a small parenthesis, I think the whole notion of the intangibility is sort of like under question when we talk also about the virtual world, no? Like the product within the virtual world is no more tangible. So the intangibility... Sort of like extends beyond now what the service sector, and and it expands also into you know the physical matter of of products uh, that are you know mostly located within the virtual world. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, my question is uh, regarding this um, this fast changing um, era that we are that we are uh, all in and sometimes sort of like this abstractness that defines it. How fast-changing, similarly, if it is, is this experience that we are after, and how constant or feasible is to reenact in both the physical and the virtual realm?
1: It's it's, it's fascinating. You mentioned this kind of virtual world, and obviously (laughs) the word metaverse is, is, is the word of the moment, right? As all our tech giants around us are, are perceived to be shape, shaping that kind of term and, and what it means. But it's actually been coming for well over, I believe, 30 years. Um, it started with the birth of the Internet and it's it's kind of actually been spearheaded by gaming, by creating virtual social networks um, for many years. And you only have to look at the likes of Fortnite and games like that now, where people and particularly through the pandemic, you know, it's just been this huge explosion of the ways to socialize. Um, and, and I think this is this is going to continue. I do perceive that this this idea of the virtual becoming more connected with the physical and this term shaping metaverses, if you like, is really the next frontier of the internet. And, and I think what's really exciting about that is it's actually really interesting if you think about how you can, real world experiences and places that interact with the digital world, if you think of it that way, um, are really interesting. And so for work, for learning, for socializing, We've seen an exponential growth of this 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 use of metaverse experiences. So, you know, for example, during the pandemic, um, more and more people have been using virtual platforms. Um, I I guess it's still some people are resistant. Obviously, you have to go into a virtual experience. You know, the actual process of putting a headset on, for example, is not to everybody's taste. Um, But if you, when we've been spending a lot of time in there um, as a design firm, but also with our clients, because actually. The great thing about these virtual experiences, blending physical and digital experiences together, is that they are—they transcend timeframes and physical barriers. And what's really interesting on a social level is you can be whoever you want to be in there, right? We've we've had a lot of interesting research back. People, particularly people that have suffered disabilities, have found that this this way of interacting people has been liberating because they're not perceived as anybody with a disability. They're an avatar. They're in a space. They, you know, they're not they're not restricted. So it's very interesting to think about this as a new way of connecting with people, of learning about things, and socializing. Um, and and we are particularly interested about what this means for that blending of physical digital in the future. It, it sounds like um, this
2: is one of the new ways that technology. Uh, contributes um is contributing towards the needs and wants of you know today's user um is very very actually never thought about it that somehow the digital interaction will eliminate certain differences which is 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 a very interesting concept um but how from your point of view going back to the business side of things how do companies uh how do brands adapt uh, accordingly to you know to these new
1: requirements let's say I think they have to think much broader about how people interact with their brands and how they perceive them um i think you know it's become increasingly important and again i think the pandemic has brought this about uh we're much more connected um with brands um with a bigger purpose to life and brands that express that i think are are increasingly become a requirement of of, of clients and what i'm by customers and what i mean by that is that it's no longer, you know, in the in the equation of choice. It's we want to know that brands have a higher purpose, um, and they express that, be it through sustainability or for for betterment of society. Uh, and you may say, well, that's great, Richard, but you know, not all fashion brands. I care whether they're doing that, but you look out there and you see that this is becoming not just a marketing point, but people want to interact with ethical brands have a higher purpose, and they. I always use the analogy, brands are like people, their personalities, and you either like or dislike people. And it's about how in the world of brands, we can make ourselves more likable, more appealing. And I think brands now have to consider all of this and in the environments and the experiences they create, that they project their purpose, their personality in a much more tangible way um, and, and shift with people's changing requirements in that area. But do you, do you think that earlier you just mentioned,
2: uh, just wanted to ask you this uh, little extra question here, um, you, you just mentioned the metaverse, you know, we're talking a lot, we're hearing a lot about NFTs and stuff like that. Do you think that war may be the escape, excuse escape, not to be sustainable? Uh, not to be like, uh, you know, doing something with a meaning. Do you think that while in the real world is a real and, and necessary yeah. requirement? Absolutely. In the digital world, it could be like, you know, uh, the place where you actually do the opposite. Finally, you're free to pollute or, uh, you know, to, to to buy something for a million dollars, which is a piece of art that, uh, you know, could be worth it or not. Who knows? What, what do you think?
1: I think actually it's really interesting because we we have a annually we bring out a, what we call the Fjord Trends and we're about to release that and actually where now it's coming out next week we're going to talk a lot about the Metaverse and what it means um, because it's coming whether we like it or not into what shape but actually the ethical side of it we're very interested in shaping not just the environment the virtual environments and the interface but really uh, how we make it a more ethical um, and less disp- less disposable not just a trend but something that you know it is set up in a way that um, is ethical for people using it and and has real value um so I, I do think it is it, it, there is a responsibility that comes with any new technology uh, and the experiences we shape within them. Um, so I think you know the brands and I think you know we are looking like the like the internet that it will not belong to one person this it will be an open platform. Um, if some of the tech giants don't have their way <laughs> where, you know, people will be shaping it together more as a society. So I think, you know, putting in place those kind of foundations of, uh, of being ethical and establishing fairness and and not being disposable, but being sustainable in what we're building, I think is something that, you know, designers have a, a mandate that really they need to do uh, when creating this. So not just, yeah, not just trivializing it, I think, through the expenses we create.
0: The next question is about, I mean, this, this, this article that Daniel wrote that is anonymous to this post podcast series. Um, it touches upon how, and I'm coding, the advent of the internet and the consequent access to a great deal of information, a growing tendency of our society towards the exaltation of individual expression and the need to regularly slow down the pace of our modern lifestyle have produced more educated users who constantly look for a better relationship with their own living, working, and entertaining spaces. So I'm wondering um, in what ways this more informed, knowledgeable, and conscious, uh, uh, or mindful user is a blessing, or in what ways it acts uh, sort of like a curse. And then uh, another, another layer that I wanted to ask is how much the attention span of this user um, influences these, uh, th- th- their experience, and that's the design of this experience. In other words, are we dealing with a user that has a very short attention or very, how do you say, uh, is in constant need for change for the mm. new? Mm. Thank you.
1: That's, that's great. It's a it's a great uh, a great point as well. Daniel, I'm not just saying that because I'm on the call with you. <laughs> I think it is it is a really thoughtful piece, and and it and it is. Yes. I I totally agree. I think it's so true. I think as a result of this advancement, people are far less patient. Um, immediacy is key, if you like. Um, but you know that is, that is just the society we're living in now. And again, I, I think a lot of the the situation we're being by. You know, the services are immediately there. We click our fingers, we press a button, and, and we receive them. Um, and they are asking questions, and they expect the answers, as I said, at a click of a button or a brief chat with a voice assistant. <laughs> um, but I think that's a massive positive because I think because people are more savvy, they're more informed, um, digital has changed everything. I I always refer to YouTube as pretty much the library of the new age. You know, we no longer require or value really, just the knowledge of scholars or authorities, um, and actually we go looking for it from, from other people. We're sharing knowledge in far different ways. So yes, there's a lot of trivial information there, but you know it's, it's quite amazing now where we go to to find our knowledge, and, and because of that, um, because of the need, the impatience, the speed, and the access to this knowledge, it has changed our psyche um, in the experiences we go through. Um, and, and I do think there is less tolerance um in, in the value customers give to products and spaces that don't deliver. I think I think now as well, I think there's with this knowledge that you know people want less waste. Um, they want more valuable assets in many people's lives. Their time is the most valuable thing. Um, and if they don't, if they're not effectively used, it's of no value to them. So I think this is all good and and because it it means many, maybe not all customers have a um because it means not all customers have a deep relationship with the experiences they interact with if they don't deliver on this. I think that it means that it is, it's not a curse, it's a challenge. Um, As divine designers and and kind of custodians of brand experiences, we have to work harder. Uh, And and again, you know, I say it before, but designers have to treat their customers with more respect than the experiences they create um, uh, to make these experiences worthy. Um, so I, I agree with it, and I don't think it's a negative. I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a blessing. Actually, it makes us all lift our game.
0: And so in a oh, way, in, oh. sorry Dan, just to just to sorry. this. Uh, so in a way, the, the the experience itself needs to be sustainable.
1: It, it does to to maintain the in, the interest. Mm-hmm. Frankly, the mm-hmm. interaction with it, because you know things become disposable much quicker. Um, you know, we're looking for the next thing. People's attention span is less but that doesn't mean that they're, they're not um they don't if they value something they will interact with it longer and um, that's how you build brand loyalty it's how you build brand advocacy is how you bring other people to the brands and the experiences that you love um but mm-hmm. i think we just have to fight harder to maintain relevance so you you are also you're saying basically that more than the appearance
2: of an environment the aesthetics um is the usability or the the emotional you know reward that you get from um that will create actually the proper uh, experience of, of of a space for example of a retail space do you have a fresh um example of this uh, within your uh, clients of course the ones that you can
1: disclose of no absolutely i mean i'm, I'm going to trot out an old cliches i an industrial designer by training <laughs> you know form follows function <laughs> But it, it is true. Yeah. It's never. There's never been true words. Um, you know. I think don't don't let me underplay the importance of aesthetics and um, the ambience and the multi-sensory experience of, of of aesthetics that comes with a with an experience that we're creating in a retail space or any kind of physical space. But we always start from the inside out. And what I mean by that, um, discovering, understanding your customer, who's going to the user, the user experience that you're trying to create mapping out that journey, looking at the moments in those journeys that are incredibly important, and then shaping the journeys through the physical space and the interaction points within that, be in technology or with humans, because it's all interactions now, and that we have to, as we said before, be ambidextrous in the way we we interact with brands in spaces, Um, and then shaping that out, and then going back to the brand. I always keep coming back to the brand um you know in this kind of work that we do that that shapes um if you like the purpose what that brand stands for shapes the aesthetic and the experience the visual experience that you're wrapping that usability in and that what's what really makes it every experience you create should be different because each brand is and the needs of the consumer should be different in relation to that brand so you know working from the inside out as I say, the usability and then the experience, the wrapping around that uh, of the brand um, to make a differentiation, I think is is, is certainly the way that they, it should be shaped and the way we work um, with our clients. Uh, and, and I'm trying to think of an example I can give you. I was uh, just thinking, <laughs> buy myself a little bit more time there, Daniel. because I always want to talk about the most <laughs> current, the most current project. But I can't like a school.
2: We used to do that. We used to do the same at school when, when <laughs> the teacher <laughs> would ask you a question, you would test yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No, I think. Um, I, I'll talk about a project that's in um, that's in the public domain, so it's it's fine to talk about it. We've we've recently just been working a lot in in physical workspace, so um, it's not. A, is that okay if I talk about workspace rather than retail, Daniel? Is that okay? Of course, so I think, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've been doing a lot of work around this um, for ourselves, actually. Interestingly, and this is where I can talk openly about it, and we've been shaping um, a point of view. Uh, that we're helping a lot of clients about thinking about their new ways of working. We, and We we recently developed a test and learn space, which and it's really important to state that because I, I, I think great experiences need to change and measuring them is one way that you create the ultimate experience. But we created a, a collaborative floor in our head office in London, um, which effectively was built around these moments that were important for people returning to the office, to the work environment, and it wasn't about the way that we worked before. And I think that allowed us to physically plan the journeys, but also to look at the interaction points, but also to consider the moments that we needed to inject fun to the experiences, if you like, for people coming back to the space. And I think that's a good example of working out, looking at the moments, looking at the journey, understanding the personas of the people that we have, because every organization is different, that are going to use that space, and then creating experiences around them that map together to make this entire uh, floor that we've created, which we're now testing for replication across a lot more of our facility space. And it's an approach that we're using with lots of clients. I think that's the way we I would write like, example uh, also,
2: look, it's okay to talk about workspaces in you know in, in retail is everything is blurred now. I recently yes. well, recently, sorry, pre-pandemic, I went to see a friend at Google at their headquarters here in London, and I found that they make their own bread. I mean, they—they, they, yeah. you know, they have the oven, and you know, can, you can buy stuff. So it's all literally, really so it is
1: yeah. blurry. It yeah. is blurry.
0: Well, uh, maybe we have already, uh, you know, in some way touched upon this. But when we are saying understanding uh, the user, when you are saying understanding the user, um, how can we understand the, the the this vast, you know, concept of the psychological, let's say, profile of the user today? And what is what is that we are how far you know we need to understand the psychological profile of today's user? And um, I was reading an article of yours and you referred to these micro-micro moments. So mm-hmm. what are they and, and how does how how does one integrate them into um, you know digital, into the digital shopping experience?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, and I'm, you know, we're, we're reappropriating things all the time because actually the term micro moments is something that's very much connected to what we call service design, so digital design. And the term is most regularly coined around the use of, you know, digital user interface. Um, but I, I like to think of it about when people reflexively turn to a device or a technology that's no different to a space, um, it, it's something that's driven them to you know to turn to something to do something discover something or you know buy something that has been driven so i think these micro moments are what um they're really intent rich moments where decisions are made uh, and i guess preferences are shaped but if you think about that um it's it's really about understanding the customer you're kind of you're trying to understand them to a level that you understand what those trigger moments are for them to interact with something so if you think about it as um if we use that kind of service design micro uh, moments as we have uh, within a physical experience, um, it's thinking about journey mapping. So understanding and following many different flow paths through um, a, a store experience, let's use a store in this instance. Um, and and it's, we look at those trigger moments as um, behaviorally um, to act on the need, as I said, to learn something or do something uh, or buy something. And it's really quite interesting when you look at those trigger moments uh, when you look at a store design, a layout, um, those micro moments really do help to shape the experience. And, and, they, and like I said, those micro moments may be turning to just inquire, you know, looking for more information, which can be a point of sale uh, at the right moment, delivered in the right way. Um, the way we use the environmental communications or the materiality of the space, or the way we just put the human in the equation, the service. The service member or the ambassador within that space, the store assistant. It can be really important in terms of looking and understanding and integrating a more, yeah, more behaviorally um, considered design, uh, which I think wraps together to make this experience. Um, but It also allows you to think about how you can mix that up, how you can vary it um, and be flexible by understanding these micro moments. I don't know if that's explained it very well, but it, it's interesting the way we've taken a kind of digital approach and applied it to physical space, and that's the triggers of what's important.
0: You, you spoke earlier, you used earlier the, the, the term authenticity and and mm. um, how authentic is something that is pre-planned, you know, sort of like thought through in advance, no? Like, yeah. Um, and then I, I was thinking... Um, is there an intangibility to the experiential design also, like like the experience? Like, is, it, is there is there a design that is intangible, to but it's it's there and and me as a user, I can receive it on my end.
1: Um, I'm not not quite clear on that one. I I, I well, I, I think I know where you're going. So something that I experience, but I'm not aware of it. Is that kind of how you mean? Annie?
0: Well, I am aware of it, but not on a mental level. No
1: like I'm yeah. not not yeah consciously
0: yeah
1: yeah consciously yeah no I can't I think um look I'm believer that um you're right some things should be left to chance you know that authenticity comes from you know that unexpected moment but those things happen anyway even if you're the best planned experience there'll be a byproduct that's the learning the research that comes from creating it um but but I do think that you do need to plan them the foundations in um to make them successful um to deliver what you want that experience. And I said before, we talk about KPIs or key performance indicators, a very consultant kind of term, but they're very relevant. We never start a brief without understanding what we're how we're going to value it. Um, and so I think if you can't if you can't orchestrate a little bit more, you're leaving to chance that you'll ever meet those KPIs. So I think I don't think that that means you can't be authentic. I'll give you an example because we're we're talking quite abstract. Mm-hmm. We were working for an organization, uh, a bank in Iceland, is banking. I'm going to use another banking term because we've done a lot of work in this area, but I find it fascinating. And they wanted to create unique, authentic branch experiences that were very connected with their local community. Uh, and what we started to do was to un- unpick who the user was going to be, the way we described. We looked at the service points, what are people coming into that space. And then we wanted to create something that was delighting, I guess not what you expect from that brand and reflected the community in which it, it was serving. And, and we realized, that, you know, having studied and visited Iceland a lot, which is an amazing country, I've told Daniel about this before, but a place that I, I, I really endorse everybody to visit when we can travel again. Um, so it's such a micro society. But their, one thing that was really interesting was their love of art and their love of graffiti art, in fact. They've embraced it as an art form um, and they invite a lot of artists from around the world to travel and visit there. And we said, look, what we actually want to do is create a happening in the branch, and we'll, we'll work with you to define what they are in each branch. So they're different. And in this instance, we said, why don't we just create a piece of art that's going to be created by a local artist from around the world that you invite to do this? Um, and that, so we created that moment we knew we wanted to happen, but we didn't know what we were going to create. And in fact, the beauty of it was that it changed every six months to a year. They'd invite a new artists to create it. And it was the activity of creating that drive a kind of delight people came to watch it it wasn't mm-hmm. what you expect to see in a bank so i think you know authenticity that was incredibly authentic to the location and the brand and what they wanted to do um but it was unique and yet we planned everything around the experience to allow for that and i think that's how you can plan in authenticity but it does come down to the brand and what's right for them and you can't you can't fake it till you make it <laughs> it's got to be mm-hmm. something yeah. that, that that comes from them. But I do mm-hmm. think authenticity can planned into it. And, but I think it just that moment, like you talk about psychology and I think it's incredibly important, the beauty of working, and this will come to the metaverse, the beauty of working in physical space is that we can be multi-sensory. We can not only use sight um, and touch and hearing, but we can use smell and taste. And so when you start to consider all those things with an environment, an experiential environment in, in full dimensions, um, and I said this will come to the metaverse. Trust me, somebody will be developing that now to be fully multisensory. It, it is. It is. It really triggers psychological behaviours that you don't expect. Um, so the aroma when we walk into space de- brings triggers memories that you know that we may have had as a child. Uh, and retailers and you know brands and hospitality have been working this for a long time. But I think it's as we come back from a digital, predominantly digital period we've been in to physical spaces. I think that will be you know incredible toolbox to play with again
2: and, and this is something that is happening now basically it's not like it's not something that we will look into the future correct it's already it's already there, happening
1: basically. yeah i mean it's it's quite it's quite a fascinating if you get into into sensory design and you think about how it's used it's around us all the time you know the, the fragrance Singapore Airlines developed many years ago that people just triggered that memory of or that that feeling that you had yeah. you mentioned bread before right i mean it's no surprise that google are doing that because yes yeah. bread yeah, yeah, makes yeah. you feel at home right of so if course. you're going to go into a workplace have an oven baking bread petrol stations have been doing that for years you know <laughs> how do yeah. i make the store <laughs> feel fresh in a petroleum <laughs> facility um yes. so yeah it's it's, it's very powerful so th- thank
2: you very much every time I, I, I have the chance to talk to you.
1: It, it feels like we are,
2: you know, we have this huge glimpse into the future, uh, but this is the, the, the work you do. So thank you very much for, for um, talking to us.
1: And uh, I hope you had
2: fun as much as we did.
1: Daniel, yeah, thank always you, Richard. A- no, my pleasure. It's always fun. And uh, if I go a little bit off piece, sometimes, it's because it's so fun to just talk at this level about what excites us all, right? Um, design of and the, the experience to recreate. So thank you very much. It's been wonderful.
0: Thank you for listening. The podcast series features original music composed by Rosita Gess of Baige from her upcoming album, Yelema. To find out more and keep up to date with past and future podcasts, go to mdflgrease.com and visit our new forms of presence section.